to ease into our passage today, I want you to imagine that it's your birthday. And for the entire month leading up to your birthday, all those people who are closest to you have been getting into a festive mood, getting ready to celebrate your birthday. They've been decorating for a month to celebrate your birthday and going to the grocery store and buying supplies and finding recipes and planning. And now that it's your birthday, there's delicious food has been prepared in celebration of you. And the the house is beautifully decorated in celebration of you. And everybody is gathered together in celebration of you for your birthday. Everything is great, except there's one problem. They're all ignoring you. You come out of your room into this festive party atmosphere and everybody's celebrating and laughing and and you say, oh, thank you guys so much for coming together. It means the world to me. But you notice nobody's paying any attention to you. They're too busy, engaged with their own celebrations. And eventually, you just sort of slowly back away and you just leave. And the party goes on without you. Now, that's a really sad picture, I think you would agree, if that was your birthday. That would be really hurtful, really painful. Let's not do that same thing to Jesus this Christmas. Let's not get so wrapped up in all the preparations and festivities and traditions and celebrations that we love so much and decorating our homes and putting on the the Christmas sweaters and the Christmas music and the Christmas movies and planning the family gatherings and doing all the cooking, but forget to pay any attention to Jesus himself when he would love to speak to us and to teach us and guide us. I think the best way we Christians can celebrate Christmas is to pay attention to Jesus, to listen to his teaching, to live by what he says. And so that's what we're going to do on Sundays. From here on through the end of the year, we're going to return to the book of Mark. And we join Jesus in Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 38. So you can go ahead and find Mark 12, verse 38. And we're just going to listen to his teaching. And you may think... These teachings don't seem to correspond that much with Christmas, but of course they do. They're the teachings of Christ. Anything he taught corresponds with Christmas. So we're going to just pick up where we left off in Easter. We're going to listen to his teaching, we're going to live by it, and in that way we're going to honor Christ this Christmas. So we find him here in Mark chapter 12, teaching a large large crowd in Jerusalem. And we'll organize his teaching under the title, Three Desires of Bad Religious Leaders. Three Desires of Bad Religious Leaders. Let's start. Verse 38. And in his teaching, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes. Beware of the scribes. The scribes were the religious experts in the Old Testament, the law, what we call the Old Testament. These were the ones who hand-copied it, memorized it, taught it, wrote about it, settled, settled disputes about it. We really have no modern equivalent to what the scribes were to these Jewish people. They weren't exactly, I would not be an equivalent. A pastor wouldn't be the same as what a scribe was. They would be closer to the seminary professors who taught me in school and closer to the academic experts who wrote the big thick commentaries that I consult and study in preparation to preach. These were the academically learned elite 
religious leaders. But even that doesn't really describe what they were in modern terms because you have to remember those folks, hardly any of them could read. The common people back then. So the scribes were their main source for knowledge about God's word. They couldn't read it for themselves like you guys can. So they were completely dependent on these religious experts to know what God's word said. They enjoyed incredible power and privilege and honor in that society. Beyond all that, they functioned as lawyers, settling disputes related to God's law. They functioned as governing leaders in that culture. So these guys were a big deal, the scribes. So why would Jesus teach the crowd to beware of them, these devoted and well-educated religious leaders? Let's read on. We're going to divide it into three. He gives three desires of theirs that make them dangerous. And the first one is they liked attention. Jesus said in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces. They like to walk around in long robes and they liked greetings in the marketplaces. So the scribes would have had these long robes that identified them as scribes for their work. They marked them as being learned and important people. And they would wear them when they taught and did, you know, perform their functions. And it was special. Not just anybody had a scribal robe. Only these top-tier elite people had them. There were two problems with the way they related to their robes. One, Jesus says, they like to walk around in them. That word indicates they, they, they just love to walk around in their robes, be seen in their robes. They, that's what they really wanted. That's what they desired was for people to see them in their fancy robes. The other problem is they liked to walk around in their long robes. And that language seems to indicate they didn't just wear those robes where it would be appropriate when they were teaching and doing their scribal work, but they went about town, possibly even, in these robes to gain attention for how important they were. Now, if you were here several years ago, you might remember when I got ordained to officially be a a sanctioned minister in this denomination. And the church gave me a gift upon my ordination. They gave me a clergy robe. And if you've ever been to more formal church settings, often pastors and preachers will wear a robe. And I know pastors in the history of this church would wear a robe. And so this is a really nice, it's a black robe. It's got like billowy sleeves and it zips up and it has like a velvet panel on the front. It really is very nice. Uh, I haven't worn it here because we're just not quite that formal, and I think I always felt like it might be distracting if I did wear it. People would be like, oh, he's wearing a robe. I just don't want anybody to even think about what I'm wearing. And the weddings and funerals that I've done haven't really been that formal. We're just not in a church culture that is that formal. Uh, But I'm glad I have it because things are cyclical, so it very well could go back to that where it might be distracting if I don't wear a robe. And so I may wear it. But can you imagine if I started wearing that robe and my whole demeanor just changed? Like this Sunday, I'm just normal Matt, just you know, preaching. But next Sunday, I'm robe Matt. <laughs> and I speak with a much loftier diction. And, but not only that, I'm not just wearing it when I'm preaching. Later that week, you go to Aldi, and there I am in the grocery store, <laughs> shuffling along the aisles in my clergy robe. 
kind of glancing around to see if anybody notices me, to see how important I am and how educated I am as I buy my apples and whatnot. That's kind of what had become normal for these scribes. And culturally, the common folks had just begun to embrace this is how the scribes are. They're really important people, and they're not afraid to walk around in their fancy robes and show it. And so they would walk about in their robes, basking in the attention, and they also liked greetings in the marketplaces. It would have been customary in that culture if someone important walked by for you to to stand up and in some way acknowledge this important individual passing by. And the scribes liked these things. They liked their prominence. They liked the recognition. They liked the attention. And Jesus says, beware of the scribes who like attention. They don't like honoring God and serving people. They like attention. There's another reason that Jesus warns the common people to beware of this type of religious leader. They liked attention. They also liked position. Let's, let's start at the beginning and read through. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. They have the best seats. Literally, it's the first seats in the synagogues and the first seats at feasts. Now, this is different from, their culture is different from ours in this respect. Seating was a really clear social status symbol in this ancient culture. So in the synagogues, which would have been somewhat like our church gatherings, they had a special bench up front. It would be sort of like it was up here. And the important people in the synagogue would sit here up a little higher than everybody else facing the congregation. And it signaled to everybody that whoever's sitting here is not like you commoners. You're here to listen. We're here to be listened to. You're here to learn. We're here to teach. We've already learned. We're here to teach you. And these scribes liked having these positions. They liked sitting up here in a place higher than everybody else. And feasts were similar. And the feast might have been similar to some of your Thanksgiving get-togethers that you've had just in the last couple days. But these are big festive meals, and the host um, would arrange the seating as such so that the most honored guest would sit to their right, and then the next most important guest would sit to their left, and then the third most important guest would sit to the next available seat to the right, and then so on, the fourth most important, the next available to the left, and alternating. And so everybody could tell your social status by where you were seated at a feast. And the scribes, being so important in this culture, enjoyed really prominent seating at the feasts. And Jesus sees right through them. He knows they like this a little too much. They don't like honoring God and serving people in their roles. They like attention and they like position. And so Jesus says, beware of religious leaders like this. But there's a third desire that Jesus points out. They liked attention. They liked position and they like possessions. Okay, we're going to start from the beginning of his teaching through so we can really absorb it. Back in verse 38. Attention. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces. Position. And have the best seats in the synagogues 
and the places of honor at feasts, and now possessions, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They devour widows' houses. This is really vivid imagery describing that they would, they would eat up the resources of widows like you ate up turkey the other day. Widows, when you see widows in the Bible, just know that that means the very most vulnerable people in that society, the ones with the least protection, the ones with the least earning power, the ones with the least resources. So these religious hypocritical leaders, these scribes, would use their position of prominence and authority, the trust that they had with the people, to take advantage of the very most vulnerable ones. They would devour widows' houses. And as if that wasn't bad enough, they covered over their true character with long, pretentious prayers, pretend prayers, prayers for appearance sake. And you guys have probably heard prayers like this. Maybe someone that you know in real life, not a terribly godly person, but for some reason they're put in a position to pray publicly and all of a sudden they're, they're Billy Graham and they pray this lengthy prayer of, of devotion and holiness And because you know them, you know that's pretend. That's not who they really are. That's the way these scribes were. They didn't like honoring God and serving people. They liked possessions. And so they used people for their own material advantage. Jesus' conclusion couldn't be clearer at the end of verse 40. They will receive the greater condemnation. It's not that... Hell will be hotter for them per se, but it's that their condemnation, their guilty verdict will be clear, it will be loud, it will be evident to all. Beware of bad religious leaders who desire attention, position, and possessions. Now these desires are incubating in all of us Because we are sinful people. We've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And we've been transformed. We've been given new hearts. But our remnant flesh, our remnant sin nature still clings on. And so every one of us has this in us. Sinful desires for attention, position, and possessions. You know, I see it when I talk to my kids about school. I see it in how the boys all clamor to be the funny one in class. Because they look, they want the attention. Laugh at me, listen to me, listen to my joke. And they all talk over top of each other to be the funny one who gets the attention. The girls, perhaps, I don't know that I've heard this much of it, but I would think are clamoring to be the pretty one. Look at me, look at me. We, we're born with that, the desire for attention. We're born with a sinful desire for position. That's why if you're a kid at the kid table at Thanksgiving lunch, you want to get to a better position. You want to be with the adults. That's why when teenagers with their license leave the building and the car is within sight, they yell shotgun as fast as they can because they want the passenger seat, not the back seat. They're not fighting over who gets the back seat. So that the other, oh, I would like you, my friend, to have shotgun. I would like for you to be in the passenger seat. No, because we innately, I want that position for me. We have this in us. Clearly, we have within us a sinful desire for possessions that Jesus is reforming. But we all have the capacity to be gripped by a desire for possessions. 
You know that. I don't even really need to give an example, especially this time of year, Christmas time. People are kind of overrun with a desire for possessions. Kids in particular, we encourage to make a Christmas list. And what we mean is, what possessions do you desire? Where we really should be having them make a giving list. Like, what would you like to give away this Christmas? So you see, any one of us could become this. Any one of us could be overcome by sinful desires for position, uh, attention, and possession. Religious leaders are not immune from it. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Um, I have two, two things I'll suggest. And the first, and where we have to start, I believe, is with me. Um, I have been privileged and blessed to be the pastor of the church here. And I have to, in all humility, acknowledge that I have within myself these seeds of, of sin, of uh, desire for attention and position and possessions, just like you guys do. But for me as your pastor, I think that um, it could be more damaging because it could also hurt you and the entire church if I get completely uh, enslaved to desires like these. And furthermore, I have to think that many of these scribes probably did not think that they were dangerous. They probably had justified themselves in their own minds so much that they probably went to sleep at night feeling pretty good about themselves. And so if they could have this blind spot, we could have this blind spot, and I could have this blind spot. So I've preached to you before passages that I said, you know, a disclaimer, this is going to sound self-serving, but I've preached passages that said, you know, you need to listen to your leaders and, and submit to their instruction. Well, I also have to preach passages like this. And what I have to say to you is I, I need you to be mindful and watchful of these tendencies in me. And if you see them in me, and maybe I don't, I need you to come and let me know. Um, I will try to be humble and uh, listen well and not defensive, but I understand that a conversation like that could be uncomfortable. So another alternative is if you start to see these tendencies in me and in light of God's word, Jesus said, beware, which means you know, be watchful. Uh, you could also talk to any of our deacons. And, and they could talk to me, you know, and they wouldn't even have to say who brought their attention, but just say, you know, we, we need to hold you accountable. And also I would say Ron. Ron is still my mentor and has been. You could, you could even talk to him. Uh, but we need to hold each other accountable, and I need to be held accountable. And if, you know, something happens to me, uh, I eat too much at Christmas time, and I just burst open and die, and that's it. Another pastor comes in, I want you to hold them accountable, and I want you to be watchful for that pastor as well. Okay? You do not want to follow someone given over to these desires. Because if your religious leader goes off track, you'll likely follow right behind. So we have to be watchful. Now the second application I'll mention, and I think this is probably really um, more of a prime application of this for us, are those religious leaders that we don't know personally but the ones that influence us with their preaching and teaching from afar. That's way more part of our Christian experience than it would have been for them because we have TV where there's TV preachers and we have radio where there's preachers on the radio and podcasts and Christian bookstores and Amazon where we can be influenced by all kinds of religious leaders that we'll never meet and we'll never actually know their character at all. 
We need to beware and watchful of who we allow to influence us. And we need to take seriously if those people that we follow begin to show signs of an inordinate desire for attention, position, or possessions. If, if their faces and names start to be plastered everywhere, billboards, their website, if, if the cover of their book is a big picture of them, <laughs> that is likely a bad sign. Now, it could be that their publisher did that. They didn't want that. I don't know how all that works. I never have been published, and it's unlikely. But we, Jesus says, beware, be watchful. If, if their activity on social media begins to look like this is all just to get attention, they're saying controversial things in a look-at-me, look-at-me kind of manner, again, it's red flag. Let's be watchful. Let's be wary. If their lifestyle becomes really lavish, private, personal jets, you know, is super expensive, it might be a, an out-of-control desire for possessions there, Jesus would say, beware, be watchful. Now, I just want to say one quick thing. I've gotten to know a lot of the local pastors around here, and I have to say my perception of them is I think that I almost, I think I can say virtually every single one that I know, I feel is genuine. I feel like they love the Lord, they love their people, their ministries are often hard, but they are giving it all they have in genuine, humble attempt to serve Jesus Christ and their people well. So I don't want you to feel like, oh no, we're in a world where every religious leader is evil. I don't think that's true at all, but we need to heed Jesus' warning. Now, to close, we've heard the warning, beware of the scribes, beware of bad religious leaders who have these desires. Now, we'll close on a more positive note. Behold Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader, the ultimate religious leader. He was nothing like this. And it was partly the contrast between him and people like the scribes that got him killed what he pointed out about them. He was nothing like the scribes. He did not desire attention. I'm going to read three scriptures. They're going to be quick. I would encourage you just to listen and read them on the wall rather than try to find them right now. He didn't, he didn't desire attention. Isaiah 53, 2, the second part of that verse, a prophecy written about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born, says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, Jesus didn't come in a, in a, a robe of, look at me, I'm important. Jesus came in humble appearance. He didn't come grabbing attention. He came giving attention to the people he was serving. Secondly, he didn't desire position. Think about Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus didn't desire and clamor for position. He gave it away. He gave away his position so that he could lift us up. And third, he didn't desire possessions. Luke nine fifty eight. Jesus taught Someone was wanting to follow him, and he was saying, are you sure you want to follow me? Because it's not a path to wealth. He said, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So, let's follow Jesus. Let's follow religious leaders who are like Jesus. Let's become like Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your word. It covers nooks and crannies of the Christian life that we might not think about if you didn't speak up about it. Lord, help us to heed Jesus' warning and beware of religious leaders who are like the scribes. And I thank you that Jesus is not that way. I thank you that he is humble and meek and loving, that he serves, that he gives, that he's generous. I pray that everybody here would receive that from him and become like that in him. Let us all be that way this Christmas together in Jesus' name. Amen.